0: Hi, and welcome to Tabletop Treasures. We've got a lovely, interesting episode this week, and we've got a guest with us, which is the first time that we've done that. So um, I'm your host, Kieran, and with me is my co-host, Ryan. And for a special uh, episode, we've got uh, Michael Doan with us, who uh, has made his own uh, TTRPG expansion. So we'll get straight into that. Um, Michael, did you want to just introduce yourself a little bit to our lovely listeners?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm Michael. Um, I describe myself – what do I describe myself on Twitter? I think an all-purpose geekatronic nerd. Um, I do all sorts of stuff. But, um, yeah, I've recently fallen into making content for TTRPGs, uh, specifically uh, Um And, it's yeah, it's been a whole cool new experience. Um I play I play guitar, I make metal music, I play video games. All the all the usual geeky stuff, really.
0: Awesome. Yeah, so like we obviously all of us here are into a lot of that stuff. Um as we all are before we get into TTRPGs. So um uh, I guess for the listeners, what how we're gonna structure this, we're just gonna ask Michael questions. He's gonna tell us about uh the lovely things that he's been working on. Um so I guess I myself, um Ryan, I don't know if you've played any of um
1: Morkborg.
2: Um funnily enough, not Morkborg, but I have played Pirate Borg.
1: Oh, that's just come out, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, mean, nice. I really very, want
2: very pl- to really play S- Pirate Borg, but awesome. <laughs> so, as I understand it, very similar, just a pirate setting.
1: Yeah, so yeah. Ba- basically the thing with Morkborg, and I guess part of the thing that's made it blow up a bit in the way it is it's got a completely open uh content license so basically as long as you slap on the uh the notice that they provide and you don't do anything you know gross and evil um you can do what you want and you can sell it and monetize it and basically a couple of guys wrote a pirate version of of Morkborg um I think they've actually gotten picked up by Free League um but it's which are the publishers of the original game as well but it's basically just a a, Third party game using the same rule set.
0: Yeah, right. It's really awesome. So well uh, we're not here to talk about Pirate Borg. <laughs> we are here to talk about Borg. <laughs> yes. Uh so borg is something that uh Michael what what sort of prompted you to start that?
1: So I when was more when did it's was twenty twenty one, wasn't it? God, time is losing all meaning. Uh oh, so, so
0: like so like everyone, you started a project in COVID.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, so, um, Viv, um, set, showed me Morkborg. Cause she's like, oh, this is a Doom Metal RPG. You'll be all over this. Um, and I don't know why, but it took me a couple of times to actually check it out. And I, right at the end of 2020, I finally had a look at this thing and I was like, yeah, Vivian, you're completely right. This is like the best thing ever. Um, I fell in love with this game. Like the art is incredible. The style is incredible. It is a rules light game that is set in a world where the apocalypse is um, factually known to be true um, and all of the very bleak implications that go with that. So it's basically, it's a dark fantasy RPG, OSR style, light rules, um, but it's very heavy on this really bleak nihilistic theme to the point of it being slightly funny. um, And it just lets you kind of just go ridiculous and all out with all sorts of stuff. And I'd fall into this community, um, guys on the discord are awesome and you know got chatting with some people um and the first thing i did was someone was running a game jam um for folklore related content and i created the uh, murkbog version of the drop bear and that was my first experiment with this stuff because it was like okay i'll you know i got a picture of of a of a um koala off of off of google image search basically grabbed something that was free chucked some together some basic stats and used like a cool font in photoshop and just really simple and that wound up being my first piece of content and you know i got good feedback on it it ended up going into this game jam collection um and i just kind of fell into the community and i don't know it just came up one one morning about quakes i think i might have been playing quake because i'm a big fan of old school shooters um, and a couple of us just kind of mused over Quake's vibe, that weird mix match of, like, fantasy and sci-fi and just the dark industrial thing that Quake has going on would fit nicely with, with Um And we're like, oh, yeah, that's all a kind of a cool idea. And at some point, the, the idea just kind of kept at me. And I chucked together a really little, like, Google Doc of, like, what would you need to make, a, like, a real basic you know, expansion PDF. And I just kind of listed all the monsters and the weapons and the equipment. I'm like, okay, let's maybe I'll chuck together some stats. Um, and then we'd move to another, to a personal discord um, of the guy would actually end up becoming my editor. Um, and he created a channel in his discord. And I'm like, okay, well, I guess this is happening now. <laughs> and he just kind of, I think he like accidentally bullied me into keep going into keeping going. And I just kept throwing together stats. And after a while, I was playing with Photoshop and then eventually moved to using Affinity because I didn't have to pay for a Photoshop license. Um, I just had to buy it one off. And we got to a point where a couple of people were donating art. And one of the really cool parts was that Johan Nor, who's the artist of Morkborg, he popped in and he was like, do you want a, do you want a drawing of a shambler? And yeah, if you guys don't know, so a is one of the big iconic monsters from Quake, big monstrous thing that shoots lightning and tears you apart if you get too close. And I was, you know, I'd never done anything like this. I'd never like interacted with like the creator of a game that I was into or anything. And I was just a bit starstruck. I'm like, absolutely, that's awesome. Um, and of course, what I got was this really cool drawing. It's the monster that's on the front cover. Um, and this is like the highest quality thing involved in any of this kind of stuff I've ever been close to. And it kind of forced me to be a lot cooler about the layout I designed. And I designed something I was very much, you know, aping the the look and the design of of Morkborg. And that was kind of the moment this went from, I'm just chucking something together in Photoshop or in Affinity, and maybe I'll just chuck it up on the internet for nothing, to maybe this is something that we could do for real. Um, And I just kept plugging it away at it over the next year. I ended up grabbing some... um, some stock art because there's tons of stock art going around on, um, especially on drive-thru RPG. Um, So I grabbed some stock um, just to fill out some pages and I just kept designing. At one point I had a version of the document that was basically built out of bootleg artwork. I grabbed off of Devart, just of people's drawings of quake stuff, just to give me like some ideas about how to lay it all out. And then of course I pulled all that out and I ended up dropping my tax return on some commissioned art. I got another piece from Johan and a few other k- artists in the community. Um, and I just kept plugging away at writing it. And then it came to, what do I do about releasing it? And we were talking about Kickstarter as an option. Um, I was a bit unsure about that just because I'd never, I'd never done Kickstarter before. That was all very do, daunting. With,
0: with Kickstarter, do I, I have seen like like quite a few ttrpg sort of things like really take off on there mm. um ryan you actually did was it was it was a kickstarter or something else for um there's an rpg you got didn't you that was sort of like pre not pre-order but i guess like backing
2: yeah well um another funny coincidence i suppose because pirate Bog was the one i was talking to you about uh backing so yeah i think um that speaks to the idea that the, the Mogborg's open license allows for that sort of crowdfunding to happen quite easily.
0: It's really good. So my, Michael, what kind of like put you off of the idea of doing that when others it, have done a lot of that? It
1: was, it was probably the logistics and the like, All right, I probably could have reached out to the other guys I was working with, like, but this has basically become a one man project. I was doing all this on my own and just trying to work, get my head around the numbers and the money. And it, it was a bit daunting. Um, so the option I ended up going with is someone recommended I get in touch with exalted funeral who are a small indie press publisher in the States. And, um, so I just flicked them an email. I was like, Hey, I've got this. This is the current draft of the PDF. Like, would you guys be interested in getting involved with this? Um, and the reply immediately was like, absolutely. This, this sounds great. So I set up a call. Um, well, they set up a call with, uh, their projects guy, and basically what they offered was um, a fulfillment partnership. So I, I obviously I produced the book up front, but they would then pay upfront for all of the production and shipping costs. And then um, we split the profits 50, 50 on sales. Uh, that's and that's it's pretty good. And it was a really cool way to break in, like as a new creator, um, like I, I can't imagine any other space like the financials definitely aren't, like, crazy lucrative. Um, but at the same time, I did this as a hobby project and I made my my money back and some. So that's been pretty cool.
0: I mean, making your money back, that's like, I i don't know yeah, the statistics, I mean, but I can imagine exactly. it's like ni- 99% of people do not make their money back on this this type of stuff. So
1: no, no, absolutely. I, I'd count
0: that as, like, a really good success.
1: Yeah, no, I think so, especially... Yeah, especially something that I I was basically just doing as a side side project just for the heck of it.
0: Yeah. Well, that that sounds really good. So you spent a year doing all this and you said you you use Photoshop and Affinity. Is there any other tools like so are you using any sort of cloud platforms to make up make up your rule sets and stuff or is I think I remember you telling me once you sort of did it all in the layout, and you kind of yeah, wish you didn't.
1: I did it. Yeah, I, I broke the first rule of uh, of RPG book production, and I wrote, I designed, and wrote into my layout. <laughs> um, my editor, well, he'll he'll kill me if I ever do it again.
0: Yeah, that that's totally <laughs> fair.
1: We we made, well, this comes up a few uh, a few times in our Discord now about doing stuff in the layout because it's so easy to do because you're just like. And I found is doing the layout kind of fueled my creativity and my ideas and also like how much space I had to play with. Um, so I like to design the layout and then figure out the nitty-gritty of the rules that I was doing. Um, yeah,
0: I'm, I'm the but same. But I'm sure
1: with- editors, editors are not a fan of that because then they've got to try and make sense of your layout.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm very much the same with some of my creative endeavors, whether it be a TTRPG or game dev. Like sometimes I'll work straight in the um, medium or like for game yeah. dev, I'll like... Start designing a quest straight into the um, into the game, or into uh, into TTRPG. Like I'll do it straight into um, whatever the InDesign thing is.
1: Yeah, Uh, yeah. So yeah, you do the same thing, just designing the layout. I'm
0: pretty. I'm pretty disciplined in writing it straight back into the source.
1: That's what I need to do next time. (laughs) (laughs) Just go back and make sure I've got a got a Google Doc open. Like everything I write, I need to copy and paste it into the into a Google Doc.
0: Well, um, what I use for uh, games and TTRPGs is Obsidian MD. It's like okay. Markdown, but Obsidian, and it keeps everything tracked. And what's really good about it compared to like Google Doc, you can pay for it for cloud, but I just use it locally on my computer. Um, I'm have to you check can that like, out. link to like if you got all your characters in a folder, you can link to them when you're do- not got characters, oh, but yeah. classes and stuff. You can link yeah, to yeah, that you another. kind
1: of kind of create all the the link of relationships between all the items
0: yeah it's been really helpful for me um so that that's definitely a tool i'd recommend using um brian have you got any tools that you would use for this type of stuff because i know you do a lot of um obviously not writing a full ttrpg yet but like obviously you do a lot of gming so there's a lot of stuff in there that comes with story writing and world building
2: um i kind of relate to what you're saying michael um about making sure you have a Google doc or something open to transcribe the off the cuff ideas you're having or the sort of those moments of sporadic inspiration where you're like, I'm gonna write straight into the design. Um, I'm absolutely chaos incarnate when I'm planning anything. Um, And whatever I have at hand, whether that's paper, whether that's uh, Google Keep I use a lot, I just have about eight different sources of information for the same thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um. I do that all the time. All the time. So I've rewritten <laughs> the same information, the same ideas down. So
0: for both of you, is that because you work by yourself a lot? Like I work in team with teams of people a lot, so I have gotten very disciplined of like, now nah, the team needs access to this. I like don't close off my work without it being on the the public that whatever it is.
1: Probably is part of it. I think it's working on my own and probably my, you know, untreated, undiagnosed, undealt with ADHD.
0: <laughs> Fair it's, enough.
1: There, there is definitely an element of, uh, as you said, around like just chaos to the whole, the whole process. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely.
0: I think, that, I think a lot of people get that. I um, myself have had ADHD for a very long time, but because I, I got diagnosed when I was six, I've learned very much how to harm how to deal with so it for the better. Yep.
1: Whereas I said, completely untreated, undiagnosed, probably my first time in public saying it.
0: Oh, well, I, ma- I mentioned you said it on Twitter.
1: Oh, maybe. I probably joked about things adjacent to it, yeah.
0: nah, uh, lovely Twitter. The, the cesspool of all of our minds.
1: It is a cesspool, but it's also entirely, I think, the only reason where I, why I managed to get much reach uh, with this project. It did a real good job for that.
0: Uh, yeah, that that's true. It is, it is good for reach in like gaming communities. I haven't seen anything quite like it. I think some people try and go over to other platforms, but
1: yeah, it, it is the platform weird. exodus from last year was interesting in how much it kind of fizzled out.
0: Yeah, oh, very fizzled out. Um, but yeah, we'll, um, I think that that's a good point for us to sort of leave it.
2: Yeah, I think we'll take a few moments to have a break and then we'll be right back.
0: Yep. Awesome. Cool, cool. Welcome back, listeners. So uh, we started off this with uh, talking to Michael Doan about uh, his RPG Quakeborg. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's get straight back into it. We're not doing two segments today. We've just gone full-on Quakeborg, which I'm sure is the vibe of the project uh, when Michael was doing it. So, uh, Ryan, take us off.
2: Yeah, so, um, Michael, when we left off there, we were talking a little bit about Twitter being so invaluable in terms of um, finding an audience. So I'm, I'm curious, what what sort of things did you do to, I don't know if advertise is the right word, but to get your project out there? Like how did you find people who would resonate with your work and bring it to them?
1: Yeah, I guess the first thing was posting dev stuff and under a hashtag. That's uh, basic stuff, but I was using the Quake Borg tag, tag, sorry, uh, pretty regularly. Um I just followed as many RPG people as I could, anyone who looked kind of interesting. Um like especially like just in the indie space. So, you know, obviously RPGs are dominated by, you know, by dungeon game as it is. Um, but anyone who was kind of talking indie RPGs, I'd I'd give them a follow. You know, you start interacting with those people because they're in your timeline. Uh, it was the same thing with artists. Anyone who was sort of had art that looked Like it fit the vibe of what I was doing. I'd follow. I'd chuck them a follow, and basically, I was just being very active on Twitter um, more than I'd ever been, really. And that just meant interacting. And then that was just then finding, without being obnoxious, like finding the appropriate times to bring up what I was working on. Um, You know, especially with the RPG stuff. There's a lot. There was a lot of like Follow Friday, or what are they called? There was a few threads that would kind of get regularly posted and you'd kind of share what you were working on. Um, and other than that, I guess I'd made friends with some people in the Morkborg community. Um, um, uh, Walton Wood, who was my editor, he, um, he had a big project. He was running a blog that was cataloging all of the third party content that was being released for the game. And while I was working on Quakeborg, he was working on uh, turning that into a website and he ran a Kickstarter uh, for that project, uh, Ex Libris Morkborg, uh, that made enough to get the project off the ground. Um, and so there's now a website that catalogs literally everything that's ever released. He retired from being the curator, so uh, someone else picked up, the, picked up the curation. But they just, every week, they keep their eyes on everything that gets released and they catalog it. Um, so to be fair, being friends with this guy kind of helped because he had an audience and I was able to kind of hijack that audience a little bit. Um, but I think that, I think, I think Monkbog being a very uh, focused on community content made that easy to get, get some eyes on it. Um, but that was the thing was just kind of being active and, and involving myself in conversations, being part of the community. So when it came time for me to go, Hey, here's a thing I'm working on. Is anyone interested? I wasn't just coming out of the blue. I wasn't just, just some random guy with a thing to sell.
2: Yeah, right. I mean, it, it sounds very organic and I get the vibe um, in indie RPGs in general, but it sounds like especially the Malkboard community that people are very much about lifting each other up and yeah. bringing visibility to other projects.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like that. I mean, it's it's a space where like, I mean, there's tons of, obviously there's tons of Kickstarters and there's there's eyes on the fact that there is money to be made if you, you manage to, I guess, get the right project that people people like. But there's tons of room from everything from just, like, I mean, you know, my first thing, it's so rudimentary and basic. It was just, like, here's some stats and some very basic text about a, about a monster. Um, you know, you, there's so much room for first-time creators up to, like, really super professional-looking stuff. And it helps with that, um, I guess, the art punk sensibility that Morkborg has, that it's a good place to play and experiment, and you're not trying to, like, emulate a super super corporate kind of look, you know, like like the best way really to like to do D and D content that looks like D and D content is to use like an existing template that someone's already built. So it can look exactly laid out like a D and D 5e page with Morkborg. You got so much freedom to kind of do what you want, um, which I think has then led to other projects like that aren't necessarily directly linked to Morkborg kind of playing with that approach a bit more and being a bit more creative.
2: Yeah, right. Um, so, it's, in a sense, it's the sorry, sorry, Kieran. Go on.
0: No, no, you're all good. I was just going to say that reminds me of like the Fate um, RPG system as well. Like all the different uh, things that have come out in there. Like now they all support each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty. It's a it's a pretty supportive community. I've I've had nothing but good experiences.
2: Yeah, it just feels not unlike the the punk scene in music. It's got quite a similar vibe, which I guess. Uh, Morkborg is definitely aiming towards.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, it it obviously plays with that aesthetic, but it's definitely got that attitude about it as well, which is awesome.
2: Yeah, fantastic. Um, Which I guess brings me into a similar question, and that is if we're looking to start playing Quakeborg, um, do we need a knowledge of Morkborg to do that? Is this completely standalone? How would we start, if we didn't know anything about any of these projects and, and I saw Quakeborg and I thought, that looks fucking awesome, I want to play it. How do I get into it?
1: All right. So the way I wrote, I wrote the game was I intended it rather than to be a standalone game was I wanted to treat it like a plugin, like an expansion, like a mod for a Morkborg. So, and a lot of the, I mean, it's kind of sparsely written, you know, uh, Morkborg itself is, and one of the really cool things about Morkborg is that a lot of the lore is very ambiguous. It gives you enough to give you a, a setting of like a place like this, there's like three or four kingdoms and it gives you a bit of an idea of what these places are and what the vibe is and maybe like one of the, the the notable characters, but it leaves enough open that as a GM, if you, if the vibe clicks with you, you can kind of just roll with it and make up whatever details you need. And like, there is no canon really, which is a really cool thing about the, the game and the setting. So the idea was, if you wanted to take the stuff from, from Quake and plug it into Morkborg, you could do that with my book. Um, So you would, you would need a copy. You'd need a copy of Morkbork for the rules. A cool thing at the moment is that they've just recently released the bare bones edition of Morkborg. So it's completely free. It has all of like the art and, and I guess the, the cool layout stripped out. So it's a more stripped down version, but it is free, which means anyone who wants to get into it can. Um, So you take that and, you'd take the stuff, the stuff from that. And I guess you'd jam the things together and start writing dungeons. The basic concept was to take like, cause in, Qu- in Quake in the video game, again, that has very sparse, ambiguous lore. but the basic setting is that a horrific Eldritch monstrosity has started invading, you know, other dimensions. And so the idea is, okay, so what if that Eldritch monstrosity invades the world of Morkborg and starts bringing, you know, soldiers with, with machine guns and, and, shotguns, but also Lovecraftian monsters into this decaying, decaying dark fantasy world. Um, and then link the whole, the slipgate thing, the like interdimensional teleportation. So you could kind of go between universes and it could really open the, the whole setting up into really wherever you wanted to take it. Um, yeah. So I guess it would just be a bit of familiarity with Quake, a bit of familiarity from Morgborg. Um, that's all you really need.
2: Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Sounds very accessible, really.
1: Yeah, um, I think the other thing I, any w- other thing I'd recommend is probably listening to a lot of Nine Inch Nails. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm I'm okay. always looking for an excuse to drop more Trent Reznor during my TTRPG sessions. So, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, when I ran, so I I've I haven't run it nearly as much as I'd like, but um, so I'd always intended to write an adventure, and it just. I don't know, my brain worms. I didn't manage to get a proper start on it until after I delivered the final files for Quakeborg. Um, but I got it done and I got it done shortly after and Exalted Funeral decided to publish that as well. So there's a companion adventure called Doorway to Blasphemy. And yeah, when I ran that uh, for a couple of, for a group of friends, basically I just ran the Quake video game soundtrack, which uh, Nine Inch Nails did all the way back in 96. I just ran that on a loop. It was great.
2: That actually sounds. I, I mean, to me, atmosphere and and music and that sort of thing is a huge part of tabletop. So that that sounds yeah. right up my alley. I love it.
1: Yeah, it was really cool. And yeah, I got. I listened to so much knowledge when I was working on this. That's, that's what <laughs> I do. Is I basically open up Affinity, pull up, put that on repeat, and you know, have a browser open another window for other ideas and inspiration. And that was that was how I how I did it.
0: That's really funny because I do the same thing for uh, game design. I um will open up whatever I'm opening up and then just get Spotify and I have an ambient game music list. Like it's mostly fantasy stuff. Yeah. So that's usually what I work in, but just like that goes on. It's never anything else. Like I just listening to music can get you into that. Yeah, sort of I think vibe. it really
1: helps channel a vibe and yeah, I find that that helps me be creative.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Like I think, yeah, flowing those creative juices can be hard sometimes so whatever gets by it and it sounds like all three of us use music in that vibe
1: yeah i think very much so it does help that my other my other project basically goes the other way i channel all this stuff and all my geeky stuff into music
2: awesome oh, can we hear a little bit about this other project just as a sort oh. of-
1: yeah, sure. So I am the songwriter/vocalist for a, a stoner doom uh, metal band called Bong coffin. And <laughs> it it yeah, I know the name the name started as a joke. Um I was in another band and we had a we had a practice session where our singer wasn't in. So we just started playing like the most slow, sludgy, like really really like generic stoner style riffs and we had a good time doing it and then we're like, oh, what should we call ourselves like oh, we'll start this as a side project and we just iterated on stupid generic band names and with like stoner metal it's all you know acid mammoth bong whatever like it's all real generic metal name stuff and someone one of us landed on Bong Coffin and you know that episode of the simpsons with the b sharps and they all have like a huge laugh at the name the first time they say it it was like that <laughs> like we oh, cracked up, we just cracked up at the name, and it kind of just you know got filed away for future reference. And every now and again, you know, a meme would get shared about about like tropey stoner music stuff, and oh yeah, that's a Bonkoffen thing. And fast forward a little while, and we were the second vocalist in the band had just quit, so we didn't actually know what we were going to do. Um, and Bonkoffen joke came up again, and our drummer linked a um a bong name generator. So just again, just dumb stuff. I hit the button and the first thing that came up was Gandalf. And so I ran away and wrote that song and that became the first bong coffin song. So it's this just an
2: incredible origin story.
1: Really dumb song. It's basically just, a, just vague lines about Gandalf and a couple of weed references for, for flavor. Um, and I just kept writing songs and it was a bit of a different sound from what we were doing. And we was like, I think this is what we're going to do instead. And now we've got an album on the way and, uh, we're playing a festival in state in April and it's incredible. It's been an incredible ride. Oh, that's ride.
0: really awesome. Like, um, it sounds like you're succeeding in so many different things.
1: Uh, on accident seems to be, <laughs> I kind of just fall into this stuff. Um, but the, the reverse inspiration, one of the songs I wrote on, well, it was the second EP, so it'll be on the album, was a song uh, called Traskungen, uh, which uh, means Swamp King in Swedish, which was inspired by Morkborg. So they put out, um, I think Johan worked on writing it, but there was a, an adventure module called Putrescence Regnant that came out that was a, an adve- a whole adventure module set in a swamp, but it also had an atmospheric uh, like metal album and it came out on vinyl which is really cool like a really cool different thing to put out as a as a release so you'd buy this album and like the liner notes like the the album cover it all had different material you can open it up and use it as a dm screen like it's just all the material for the adventure is all the other stuff that comes with the with the album Um, so i was reading that because i was i will eventually run this adventure because it's really cool Um, but i had that on the mind and i ended up writing the lyrics that were basically a summary of the plot of that adventure as lyrics for for my song that I was working on. And so that became, that became, it's actually our opener for most of our sets now. And I sent it to Johan and his quote and hundred percent verbatim is this is fucking sick. (laughs) So yeah, I kind of really leaned into the, into the, all the fantasy sci-fi stuff I'm into. So I, yeah, I write, I think I've got, like, three or four songs about Lord of the Rings, Dune, um, just sort of sci-fi stuff. I've got a Warhammer song in there because I'm a big Warhammer nerd. Like, just all of my my favorite nerdy hobbies kind of will get jammed together with very loud, very slow music.
0: Hey, if that's that's what you're into and it works, like, go for it.
1: But, yeah, so definitely, like, both of these hobbies kind of feed into each other, like... Obviously, oh, the doom metal vibe. Like I was already into that kind of music that drove me to Morkborg and the stuff I've gotten out of Morkborg's kind of fed back into the music as well.
0: Oh, that's, that sounds very ADHD going <laughs> like uh hyper intensely focusing on one thing, then the next, then back to the other thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I, God, you, you're not wrong. Um, I've been putting off other written tabletop projects and I'm like, no, I need to focus on the album right now. Otherwise I'm trying to take on too many things.
0: I just take on forty things. That's what I do.
1: Yeah, I well, I start forty things and then never like get them past the first step, and really Quake Borg. And I guess the bands is the first time I've really gotten any any progress.
0: Oh no, I think I think you're doing. He's well. Wow. Yeah,
1: congratulations
2: on on thank the you. launch. And <laughs> I I know what it's like. This well, uh, the satisfaction of actually finishing something.
0: I know I, the satisfactions. I know like the is Like thank you. Yeah, <laughs> True, true.
1: <laughs> it, it does... It blows my mind still every now and again. I'll see something pop up about someone actually using Quakeborg in a campaign. I've seen that pop up on Reddit a few times. And like, oh, yeah, I just bought Quakeborg and I'm like running a campaign with it. And I'm just like, what? wait, what? Someone's actually using it?
2: That'd be amazing. There are people out there playing this game. There are people yeah, sitting around wild. tables. Yeah, fantastic.
1: Absolutely wild. Every time I see mention of it, it's just like, really? Someone's actually... Well, hell, uh, one of the artists said... Um, really cool artist who goes by phil um he did i did a he did a spread of two of the monsters and um yeah it comes up fairly often because he's kind of part of a, a bit of a collective that i'm involved in now um and he's mentioned more than once about his own his like home game of quake that he's running and it's it still just blows my mind every time i, I see mention of it. it's like wait what you're still playing quake what what That's
0: Uh, Sounds very well earned. Well, thank you. Well, I think uh, we're we're getting pretty close to the end of the show, but um, where can people find all this stuff? So it's called Quakeborg, but I don't think it's uh, spelt the way that you would think it would be. No, it's
1: it's spelt with a V rather than a UA, which is filing off the serial numbers a bit so that we don't get sued. Um, And also just leaning into the metal thing. Um, But basically, um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm Shadow at twitter um but all of my rpg stuff is on itch.io under the name bird silhouette games uh, so which we'll is link
0: all this in the show notes yeah, as well for the which listeners. is a,
1: a long roundabout pun raptor shadow became bird silhouette and i ran with it um and the music stuff yes yeah, bonk often so that's a whole separate thing but um yeah i'm on itch um i'm on drive Thru rpg um if you look for Quakeborg, um, it's also on Exalted Funerals' website because they're the physical publisher. So if you want a physical copy, uh, go through the guise of Exalted Funeral. Um, but yeah, to keep an eye out. The other thing that I'm involved with uh, RPG-wise is um, I joined a co-op, helped co-found a co-op called The Bog Folk. Um, and we mostly came out of the Morgborg community, but we're an international bunch of Uh, We've got a description here. An international bunch of creators are interested in ethical production and kind of paying all of our contributors fairly. Um, And I wasn't directly involved in this, but we're in the middle of our first Kickstarter for a game called Lycoma, um, which is a card-based meatpunk RPG. And it would take a whole episode to give you all the details on that, so I'll leave it at that. But we're in the last 29 hours of the Kickstarter and have currently made... $22,000 Twenty-two thousand US dollars out of a four thousand dollar goal, so we're doing quite well. We're we're on our way to our last our last uh, stretch goal, which is if we hit thirty grand, um, we'll get the narrator from Disco Elysium to read out some of the setting material and a short story. Oh,
0: that's awesome. Well, by, by the time it? this epi- episode comes out for the listeners, that hopefully that goal's already passed. Um, Fingers crossed. It'll be the end end of the thing, but we'll uh, put it in the show notes so everyone can check it out.
1: Easy.
2: Well, yeah. Thanks very what much a, for what a perfect excuse to have you back in the future to talk about that one, because that sounds fucking awesome as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, I need to I need to play, I need to get my head around it.
2: Um thanks so much for joining us. No uh, it's worries, been a so pleasure. Always. Um thank you everyone for listening. Um you can find us on Twitter at TTRPGTreasures uh, TTRPG Treasures and I'm sure some other places you can listen wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: I think we're we're on uh, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts now. I think the I got a lot of
2: places. But you you have worked very hard behind the scenes, so um, appreciate Kieran's good work by listening to us on every single podcasting
0: platform, please. And uh, get that treasure.